Welcome to episode five of Hearing is Believing. My name is Andrea. And my name is Tanisa. And this is the podcast where we discuss different topics that center around our Catholic faith. So like always, we just wanted to remind everybody that we are not experts and we do not speak on behalf of the Catholic Church. We're just two sisters who really like talking about angels and demons and wanted to share these stories with you. So uh, before we hop in, Andrea, what's been new with you? Oh, nothing much. I'm just not looking forward to having to go to work tomorrow, going back to the monotonous, you know, daily life activities now that the holidays are over. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an adjustment. This is why I hate January. This is why I never want to be out of the holiday season, <laughs> but, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But what about you? Well, um, I am excited, but also nervous. So tomorrow I start a new job, which is really exciting, but nerve wracking. It's always kind of, kind of freaky. But I think it's going to go well. You know, I pray that it goes well. Just do the best that I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I am excited for this year already. I feel like I've already started a few of those habits that I mentioned before for my New mm-hmm. Year's resolution. Uh, praying more often. I ordered some takeout the other day and I had pasta with veggies. So that counts as eating more vegetables, even though there was a lot more pasta than vegetables. But baby steps. Baby steps, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I will admit I haven't been praying every day, but I did pull out my scapular, and I am wearing that right now. So hey, that's progress. And I, that's progress. And I did pull out my rosary from Medjugorje. I have it right here next to me, mm-hmm. and my Saint Benedict medal. So I've got my whole, you know, workstation set up for keeping myself surrounded by good items. That's good. That's that's always, that's a good way to start. I, like I said, it's baby steps. So that is definitely um, a good way to keep going for the rest of the year. Just slowly try to incorporate a little bit more if if you want to. So that's nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's get into it. What are we going to be talking about today, Tamisa? So I am going to be talking about the um, Choir of Angels. So I've always heard of that term, um, but I never really knew what it meant. So I did a pretty deep dive into like their hierarchy, learning the different responsibilities that angels have. So just to forewarn everybody, this is probably going to be a lot of information. But for me, I found it really helpful because it's really cool to kind of look at how God, so to speak, delegates his plan and the different ways that the angels influence things. So that's what Mm -hmm. I'll be talking about later. And when you talk about hierarchy, it's kind of like almost what we talked about last week with the hierarchies of the demons. So it's kind of the same with the angels. Yeah, exactly. So definitely has a lot of similarities. Like we mentioned before, the demons and and the devil have a way of trying to mimic what God does to kind of mock it and, you know, defile Mm -hmm. it. So it is kind of touching on like what you spoke about before, like there are nine choirs um there's three rings to the hierarchy um mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's gonna be really interesting how about you mine is also gonna be very information heavy i gonna be talking about the rosary mm-hmm. so if you have a long trip ahead of you or if you have a long task ahead of you this is gonna be a great episode because we're both doing it seems like deep dives into yeah. our topics for today 
Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a very educational episode, but you know, that's fine. That's good. You know, you're starting a new year. You need to learn a couple things. I think that's a, a good way to to kick off the new year. I think I think these topics are going to be very um, foundational for probably our future episodes. Because mm-hmm. um, I know I want to talk about different Marian apparitions, and a lot of these apparitions happen after someone has been showing a lot of devotion to the Virgin Mary, yeah. um, a lot of love, and a lot of prayer. So I think, and the same thing with like the angels, mm-hmm. when there's different angels that appear in different stories, we kind of know like where they fall in those lines. So I think like what we're going to be talking about today is very fundamental for future episodes. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I can definitely see that. Okay. Since we're both doing, what's the word? Positive? topics i guess you could say yeah do you want to go first or do you want me to go first i want you to go first i went first last time and even though this is not like you know a scary versus lighthearted story i still want you to go first let's keep that routine we're gonna keep going with that pattern okay yeah let's all right so as i mentioned before my story not story my topic is the rosary Mm -hmm. the rosary is by definition a combination of specific prayers that are said in a particular order and so the word rosary comes from latin Mm -hmm. and it means garland of roses the rose is used a lot when it comes to the different flowers that symbolize the virgin mary so that's a lot of meaning behind garland of roses because you know it's a long you know what a garland is everyone knows what a garland is right yeah So when you think of how you're going to have a garland, like a long vine bushy with lots of roses, those are going to be like the beads on a string Mm -hmm. that make up the rosary. Yeah, I can see that imagery working. So that makes sense. If you're not quite familiar with what the rosary looks like, I highly suggest looking up a Google image of the rosary Mm -hmm. to kind of get a little more familiar with what it is and what we're going to be talking about because we use these beads on the rosary to help keep track of the prayers and which sets we're in. So it's very fundamental. Um, It's a very fundamental tool that we use in our, in our Catholic faith. Yeah. So the purpose of the rosary is to help remember certain events in the life of Jesus Christ. And when we say the prayers in repetition and actually think about the prayers that we're saying, Mm -hmm. we're more in touch with our soul's desire for God and for eternal life. It's like meditation. It's almost like a meditation, yes. Mm -hmm. But you're reflecting on the life of Jesus and you're reflecting on our history to salvation and where we still need to go still to reach our eternal salvation Mm -hmm. for our own souls. Yeah. Um, probably it's going to be very, we're going to get heavy into Catholic faith right now. Yeah. I think that's, but that's what to be expected because like you said, the rosary is such a powerful tool in Catholicism and it's literally the, the life and death of Jesus and all his miracles. And like you said, life after death. So yeah, this is going to be quite, quite a heavy topic, but it's a good one. It's an important one. So going back to the rosary, um, I'm going to give a quote according, uh, from uh, Pope. I'm going to give a quote from Pope Leo XIII. Mm-hmm. He said, the rosary is the most excellent form of prayer and the most efficacious means of attaining eternal life. It is the remedy for all our evils, the root of all our blessings. 
there is no more excellent way of praying. So that just shows right there mm-hmm. how important the rosary is to us when it comes to just being able to achieve eternal life. You know, be closer to God. Yeah. Um. So probably one of my most uh, favorite facts on the rosary is it's one of the most powerful tools that we have to fight the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Pope Pius XI, the rosary is a powerful weapon to put demons to flight. And as Padre Pio said, the rosary is the weapon for these times. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I wanted to give more quotes from Padre Pio and dive a little bit more as to why he would give that statement. But in previous conversations, Tamisa has already claimed that she wants to talk about Padre Pio. Yep. She wants to give that story. Uh, exactly. I Actually, it's really funny that you mentioned Padre Pio because he's actually mentioned very briefly in my uh, topic that I'll be sharing. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of quotes, I was actually recently visiting um, our aunt and she, we were talking about the importance of praying every day. And um, she was saying that she prays, she prays the rosary every day. And she gave such a vivid imagery of like the rosary is is as powerful as an atomic bomb against the devil. And I was like, whoa. Yes. That's a yes. strong that's- word right there. But yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a great imagery to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very important tool that we use. Um, so the rosary is something that we have had in the church since the 13th century. Mm-hmm. Um, in two, in um, 1214, the Virgin Mary presented the rosary to St. Dominic, who is the founder of the Dominican order. Then in the 15th century, the Virgin Mary appeared to a Dominican priest and theologian by the name of Blessed Alan de la Roche. I don't know if that rings a bell to you. But she established the 15 promises that would be granted to those who recite the rosary. So I'm not going to recite all 15 promises, but I do want to say the the top five that I think are the most important reasons why everyone should be praying the rosary. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, number one, the Virgin Mary promises her special protection and the greatest graces to all those who recite the rosary. Two... The rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. Three, the rosary will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities, and it will lift them to the desires for eternal things. Four, the soul which recommends itself to her, to the Virgin Mary, by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. And five, whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly, applying himself to the consideration of its sacred mysteries, shall never be conquered by misfortune. So I think those are pretty much the top five reasons why everyone should be praying the rosary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are those are pretty like powerful promises and like benefits you would get so like why wouldn't you pray yeah and that's and that's just five there's there's another 10 promises out there that if you have the time i definitely recommend just looking them up reading what the virgin mary promises Mm -hmm. um so as i'd mentioned before the rosary is a tool for reflecting on our history as catholics we have 
20 mysteries, which we split into four sections. And these mysteries start with the Annunciation and go through the life and death of Jesus Christ and then end with the coronation of of Mary. Mm-hmm. And so the following is a list of the different mysteries. So the first section is the joyful mysteries. And these are the Annunciation. This is when Gabriel appeared to um, St. Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary, said that she was going to be the mother of God. And then we have the visitation. It's when Elizabeth, I'm sorry, when this is when Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, who's also expecting a child, who is coincidentally John the Baptist, yeah. for those of you who did not know that one. They're cousins. Yes, they are cousins. Three, the nativity, so the birth of Jesus Christ. Four, we have the presentation of Jesus at the temple. And then the fifth joyful mystery is the finding of Jesus in the temple. This is after he'd been lost for three days, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Jerusalem. Next up, we have the luminous mysteries. And this is going to talk about the life of Jesus Christ. So we have the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. Mm -hmm. We have the wedding at Cana. Jesus's proclamation of the kingdom of God. Then we have the transfiguration of Jesus up on the mountain. And then we have the institution of the Eucharist. Following the luminous mysteries, we have the sorrowful mysteries. We have the agony in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross, and then the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole passion of the of Christ. Yep. So the sorrowful mysteries is all the passion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Actually, The Passion is a really good movie. I'm not going to lie. Mel Gibson did a great job with that movie. <laughs> the movie? Yeah. It's like our family's tradition to watch it um, every Easter. Honestly, like you would think you would be like, why would you watch that movie? It's so dark and it's so you know, depressing. But you know what? It's it's the purpose. That's the reason why we watch yeah. it on Easter because exactly. we're reminded he went through all of this pain and suffering for our souls, for also our salvation. After the Sorrowful Mysteries, we have the Glorious Mysteries. They are the Resurrection, the Ascension, the Descent of the Holy Spirit, the Assumption of Mary, and the Coronation of Mary. Mm -hmm. So I want to point out that the Luminous Mysteries are relatively new when you think about the concept of how old the, the Rosary is. So for centuries it was only the joyful the sorrowful and the glorious mysteries Mm -hmm. so the luminous mysteries were added in 2002 by pope john paul ii um, in his apostolic letter rosarium reginus maria um we don't speak latin (laughs) we don't speak latin so i'm sorry he wrote i believe that to bring out fully the Christological depth of the rosary, it would be suitable to make an addition to the traditional pattern, which, while left to the freedom of individuals and communities, could broaden it to include the mysteries of Christ's public ministry between his baptism and his passion. And so, in 2002, the Luminous Mysteries were incorporated. 
That's crazy. I literally had no idea that it came out this this uh, recently. You didn't know that? No, I had no clue. Yeah, that was because of Pope John Paul II. What the heck? Granted, he wasn't the first one to bring up the Luminous Mysteries, but he was the one who got it in there and got people to accept it. Made it official. Yeah, he made it official. Yeah, definitely. So there are specific days of the week when specific mysteries should be prayed. Mm -hmm. Granted, if you can pray all four mysteries every day, kudos to you. That's even better. But specific mysteries should be prayed on specific days. Mm -hmm. So on Monday, you're supposed to pray the sorrowful. I'm sorry, the joyful. Tuesday is the sorrowful. Wednesday is glorious. Thursday is luminous. Friday, we go back to sorrowful. Saturday, joyful. Sunday of Advent and Christmas, you should always do joyful. Sundays of Lent, you're supposed to do sorrowful. And then other Sundays are always supposed to be glorious. So realistically, I'm not going to lie. I have such a hard time, first of all, remembering the mysteries, which is a pretty ashamed of it. I feel like I should know that since we prayed the rosary so much. But also just remembering what day goes with which mystery it's so hard to remember i feel like it's so scattered it is a little scattered i agree with that um honestly as i think as long as you're praying the rosary yeah that's a really good start uh one thing i used to do because again i'm not praying the rosary every day anymore i need to get back into that habit but when i was in the habit of praying the rosary every day or at least every day when i was on my way to work mm -hmm. i would start my my weekday with the joyful mysteries the next go with the luminous the following sorrowful and then to glorious um and then i would just repeat that pattern mm -hmm. no go those four in that consecutive order regardless of what day i was supposed to pray which mysteries so i think that's a good start um even if you don't know what the order is but that's just me personally again this list of what mysteries on which days this is not my list but mm -hmm. what they say you're supposed to do yeah but again we're not experts nor are we perfect clearly no anything but mm -hmm. so how are you supposed to pray the rosary well first we start with the sign of the cross mm -hmm. and then we say the apostles creed which is a really good reminder for all of us catholics what we believe in yeah um, we say, you know, Our Father, and then we say three Hail, uh, Hail Marys for faith, hope, and charity, and then we say the Glory Be. And then after we do that little introduction, we go into the first mystery of whichever set you're going to be doing. And then you start with, you know, Our Father, and then you say ten Hail Marys. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to be meditating on that mystery during that decade. Um, that's what we call... Um, the 10 Hail Marys in a row within that set for that mystery. Yeah. We call it a decade. After you say your 10 Hail Marys, you're supposed to say the glory be. And then you announce the next mystery. You follow it with the Our Father. And then you repeat you know, the, the 10 Hail Marys focusing on that mystery. And then you're going to keep that process going all the way until you finish the fifth mystery of that set that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Then you say your closing prayers. We always say, Hail Holy Queen, and then whichever final prayer you want to incorporate. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Our mom has a certain way of finishing the rosary. Our aunt has a different way of finishing her rosary. So it's going to be very customized to you, to what your intentions are. What are you dedicating this rosary to? What are you asking for in this rosary? Mm-hmm. That's going to make up how you're going to f- say your final prayers to. And then you make the sign of the cross and then you close out. That's how you pray the rosary. So basically, praying the rosary is a way to continuously grow our faith and to protect ourselves against, you know, spiritual warfare in this world that, you know, that we're living in. Mm -hmm. So it's just a good way for us to grow as Catholics in our devotion to Mary, to Jesus, and hopefully reach that point where we can gain eternal life. Yeah. Um, a miracle that's related to praying the rosary can be found with uh, Father Patrick Payton, a.k.a. the Rosary Priest. That's how he's known as. Um, this is a real short story, but basically, he's the one who coined the phrase, the family who prays together stays together. Oh, that's nice. I don't know if you've heard that one to me. I have. I've heard that one a lot. Again, our aunt always tells me that because obviously she always wants us to be praying every day and always tells me like, you know, you have to you have to guide your husband, a family that prays together, stays together. I'm like, okay. So before Father Payne was ordained a priest, before he started his whole mission on promoting the rosary, um, he first immigrated to the U.S. from Ireland in 1938. Mm-hmm. And once he got to the U.S., he got really sick with a really severely advanced case of tuberculosis, which, you know, in the early 1900s, that was still that's there's no cure for that. So at the suggestion of his sister, he prayed and asked the Virgin Mary to intercede on his behalf. And he consecrated himself to Mary and began praying the rosary devoutly. And I don't know how long he prayed. I don't know if he did like a whole novena. I don't know that information. But to the astonishment of the doctors, he was completely and miraculously cured of tuberculosis. And he spent uh, the rest of his life basically encouraging and promoting families to pray, to pray the rosary. He's one of the first pioneers of evangelism using mass media and he was also one of the first to conduct public rallies to bring families together in public Mm -hmm. and pray the rosary as a unit so that is the rosary for you that's good i like that thank you for sharing i think that's what that's a really important one because like i think most catholics can recognize that the rosary is important but i think we just oftentimes forget how powerful it can be so I think that's a good reminder of like why we should be doing it and like what every little piece of it means. So that's a good one. I think a lot of people are really intimidated by it. I think you're right. I think people just get intimidated by it. Because um, I know for me, that's always something that kind of holds me back is because I don't know all the mysteries. And I know we used to have, and I have it somewhere. It's like, I bet it's like in a box or in a drawer like a little pamphlet that had like a really great breakdown of all of the mysteries and what they all meant and how to contemplate each step. And it was a really handy little pamphlet to like keep in my purse and like pray after mass. Um, So having something like that is really handy. And honestly, like we live in an information era. Like it's just a matter of taking that step to do it Um, because as, as, awful as this is going to sound i think a big part of it just comes down to being like apathetic or just 
being kind of taking the lazy step of just not doing it. So hopefully this inspires people to, you know, just try to incorporate the rosary as much as you possibly can. And honestly, it's so powerful. And when you accomplish it, you just even feel better. Like that's something like Julio always brings up when we like when after we go to mass or when we pray before like we drive in our car, like he's just like, oh, I feel so much better. And I think I think people just forget about that feeling, but it's honestly the most rewarding thing. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that statement because when I would pray the rosary, like I would start like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, why am I doing this? But that's honestly, that's the devil working against you, trying to make you not want to do it. But when you finish it, you're like, you're, you feel lighter. Yeah, like a sigh of relief. You're just like, ah, glad I did that. Well, again, thanks, Sandra, for, for sharing that one. I'll hop into my story now. Um, yes. I was about to segue into it, but you interrupted me. It's okay. I forgive you. That's what sisters are for. Always interrupting you. Yeah. Well, let that slide. What? Are, go ahead and talk about your hierarchies of different angels. Yeah. So, um, like you said, we're going to be going over the nine choirs of angels. So just to, before we hop into it, let's just do a quick definition section right now. So angels are spiritual beings created by God to carry out the tasks that God gives them. Um, and they are naturally invisible to the human eye, but they're just always around us. So before we go any further, I just wanted to make sure that we all had the same understanding of what angels are. So the Bible mentions nine choirs of angels and that each choir has a name and a purpose. There is also the mention of archangels who are the leaders that God entrusts with special duties. Um, I think that's the one that most people are familiar with when they think of angels. There's actually three of them that are recognized by name in the Bible. That includes... Wait, wait, let me see if I can name them. Hold on. We got St. Michael, of course. Yeah, of course. And then we got St. Gabriel. Mm -hmm. And I think the other one is Raphael. Yeah, that that is true. Do you, do you know what he's associated with or do you remember? I'm just proud of myself that I remember Raphael. <laughs> Honestly, I don't I, I don't know. No, I don't. Healing. Healing. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have the fighter, the healer, and the messenger. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kudos to you, Andrew. That's actually really good. I, I know St. Michael, everybody knows that, but I think Gabriel and Raphael get forgotten a lot, so good job. I think Raphael is the one who gets forgotten the most because yeah. – Gabriel, again, is mentioned, but I think three times, really. Yeah. Anyways, we'll save that for another time. But yeah, Go ahead. Um, St. Paul actually mentions angels a lot in his letters. So he describes them as the mediators between humans and God. And he actually talks a lot about having devotion to the angels. So in the 4th and 5th century theologians got really interested in studying the angels and trying to develop an understanding of their purpose and order. So one of those theologians was an, an anonymous 5th century monk, commonly known as Pseudo-Dionysus. Um, the reason why he's named this is that he took up the name of one of St. Paul's followers who was named Dionysus, but he was not that guy, so they just nicknamed him Pseudo-Dionysus. So we owe a lot of our common Christian understanding of angels and the relationship of 
um, that they have in the ranking to him, but also to St. Thomas Aquinas. So he used a very similar um, theory to classify angels, but he focuses more on like the intelligence um, and how they are purely intellectual beings and believing that some participate in or reflect the divine perfection more than others. So with him, there's more of kind of like a sliding scale, I guess, um, and how therefore angels belong to different choirs according to their intelligence and their place in God's grand plan. Does that make sense? Okay, so basically he's saying the more you know, the closer you are to God, basically. Exactly. So when he uses the term intelligence, he's not saying like IQ score type like smarts. It's more of intelligent in terms of how much they know of God's plan. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's referring to. So now let's just hop right in to what the order is of the angels and what that looks like. So essentially there are three levels. There's the highest level or sphere. Um, they contemplate the source of all creation, the ultimate ideas and causes from which all creation flows. They're the ones that are closest to God. Um, and in other words, they also are just have the most perfection. Then the second sphere of angels, they're going to fulfill God's plan in the universe. And then the third, which is furthest away from God, but closest to mankind, they're the angels that interact with humans the most and mm -hmm. most directly. So let's start with the first sphere. Like I said, this is the one that are closest to God. So the top ranked are the seraphims. You mentioned them previously um, in your last episode as well, but in terms of, you know, the demonic order, I guess. But mm -hmm. the seraphim are the angels that are closest to God, and therefore they're going to reflect God's um, highest attributes manifested in creation, which is his love. So like I mentioned briefly in your last episode, they are literally on fire with love for God, and their name means the incandescent ones or burning ones because of that burning love. Um, so more than any of the other angels, they have the most perfect knowledge of God, which makes them the most perfect adorers. So the second level, or the second um, ranked angels in that sphere are the cherubim, so they have a deep intellectual knowledge of divine secrets and of the ultimate causes of things. Their name actually means all-knowing one. So they are going to reflect God's om omniscience. I can't say that word. Omniscience? Omnim Spell it out. O-M-N-I science. <laughs> Omniscience. Omniscience. That's a hard word. It's so, like, I can read it and know it, but saying it is just like, that's the challenge. What's your excuse? English is your first language. English is my first language, but mind you, I did not live in the United States and have to speak English often to other people for a long part of my life, so I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. counts. Okay. Okay. Whew. So moving on to the next rank um, within that highest sphere is um, the thrones. So mm -hmm. the thrones are living symbol of God's justice. So they form the seat of God's authority and mercy, literally like their name suggests. 
Um, so if you think about it with the imagery of a throne, it manifests the glory and authority of a king. So it, it's, it's expressing stability and power. And since a throne is also a judgment seat, these angels are especially responsible with, um, or especially concerned with divine judgments and ordinances. Does that make sense? I mean, a little bit, but I mean, they're they're in charge of ordinances with amongst the angels. That's a little confusing. Or with Judgment Day. I don't think it's like Judgment Day. Like, they're not going to be the ones that are, like, telling us you get in or you get out. Yeah, because that's God. <laughs> that, that's God. But they are going to carry out God's justice. Ah, uh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, that highest sphere, they're doing God's work that he he um, charges them with on that highest level. So it's it's the God, it's the all-know, I'm sorry, it's the, it's God's love, it's mm-hmm. how God is all-knowing, and mm-hmm. it is God's justice. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So now we are entering the second sphere, and this includes the dominions, uh, virtues, and powers, and these angels are the angels of creation because they are involved in God's order of the universe, like I said before. Mm-hmm. So that first rank of angels within the sphere is the um, dominions. I also saw other websites call it dominations, but I'm just going to call it dominions. Yeah, I've only seen it as dominion. I know, right? That's what I've always heard. And then when I saw domination, I'm like, that sounds a little scary, but we'll just stick with dominions. Mm-hmm. Um so they're concerned with the judgment I'm sorry, they're concerned with the government of the universe because they are the first of the three choirs in the second ring, um, which like I said, this ring is the cosmos. They are gonna deliver God's justice, showing mercy to humans and helping the angels stay organized to perform their duties. Okay. So then the next rank is the virtues. They are going to govern all nature. Like, for example, the the seasons, stars, sun, moon, they are also in charge of miracles. And like their name suggests, they can give humans courage and grace. And in their work that they perform, they actually encourage humans to strengthen their faith in God. And then the third rank is the powers. Um... They're also known as the authorities. That's like another name for this um, for this group of angels. And they are the warrior angels. So they're defending the cosmos and humanity against evil. So they represent, um, or they're being represented with wearing full armor and helmets. I was going to say, they're the army, aren't they? They are the army, for sure. They're like totally decked out, ready for war. They help people who are battling against passions or vices. By casting out the demons that are promoting them. Well, that makes me think too about like like Saint Michael is the was the leader of God's army. So, mm-hmm. but he's a lower ranking angel by this hierarchy mm-hmm. that is being presented. So that's a little confusing. It is so something that I saw in this, and I thought it was really interesting. There is actually a lot of overlap between these different um, hierarchies of angels. And if mm-hmm. you think about it, it makes sense because, like, if you have an army, just like in general, like the the military, certain divisions, certain areas, they're going to have some overlap. But it's just because they have different skills or different 
intel or different um muscles not that's not the word i'm looking for <laughs> different physical different abilities. strengths yeah thank you Whew, words were hard but um and it's basically the same thing with these angels as well so mm-hmm. in this second sphere it's in the large scale of the universe and then once we get to that third third sphere which has the archangels that is really focused on mankind so i think that's where that overlap happens with the um, powers and let's say like the archangels is that yeah. it's just depending on the scale or the scope that the that they're battling against does that make sense no yeah, it makes sense yeah cool great so now we're at the third sphere um and like i said this sphere of angels they're going to be focused on god's plan of salvation for mankind so they're pouring out their influence on those who have the greatest interaction with us um, in the ordinary course of things that are established by God. And they're acting as guides and protectors and messengers to humanity. So at that top rank of the third sphere is principalities. They are the angels that guide and protect nations or groups of people. For example, that would include the church. And they are often depicted wearing a crown and carrying a a scepter. Um, Mm -hmm. And they inspire mankind to do things such as art and science. Then after them, we have the archangels. And like I mentioned before, these are the most commonly known angels. So among them, we have, like we said at the beginning, St. Michael, who is the the prince of the heavenly host. We have St. Gabriel, who is the messenger of the incarnation. And then uh, lastly... St. Raphael, he has not forgotten, who is the Uh angel of healing and of medicine. So it's traditionally believed that there are actually only seven archangels, and that's including uh, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael, um, but the others aren't named in the Bible. So each each archangel um, have a unique role as God's messenger, to the people at critical times in history um, and salvation. Because there are seven archangels, they're oftentimes associated with the seven days of the week, as Mm -hmm. well as the seven sacraments, which I thought was so, so cool that there's that type of correlation. Like, I know there's, in other parts of um, our religion, there are other, like, associations with the number seven, and I cannot remember it. So, Well, you also have the seven princes of hell, too. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. See, I knew seven was important. It pops up a lot. Seven is a very important number. Um, Mm -hmm. Let We're we're gonna, give me a second to look this up, because there's something about forgiveness. Hold on. Yeah, you're right. And also, there's the seven deadly sins. There's also the seven virtues. Isn't that a thing, too? All right. So in the book, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says that church members should forgive each other 70 times, seven times. Mm-hmm. And that's in Matthew eighteen twenty-two. Yeah, exactly. See, I, I knew that number was important. It, it pops up a lot. And I remember learning that back in school, too. And I, oh, wow, I can't believe I forgot about that. And then there are seven virtues. Yeah, I told you. Seven in virtues. the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Seven virtues, seven deadly sins, seven sacraments. Um, Do you know what the seven virtues are? No, I don't. That's the, I should learn that instead of the seven deadly sins. I should probably also know the seven virtues. 
Faith, hope, and charity. <clears throat> so that's three right there. Prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. That's according to the Vatican. Okay. So now we know for sure. Every time I hear faith, hope, and charity, I think of that one song by, um, is it Alan Jackson? I don't know. Da, 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 faith, hope, and charity, the good ones he gave us, but the greatest is the love. Oh! Faith, Shoot. hope, and love are no, some he... good ones he gave us, but the greatest is love. Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us, yeah. and the greatest is love. Mm-hmm. Damn, I can't remember you remember that. I don't even remember that. I remember, I'm really good with remembering uh, lyrics. Yeah. So, um, you have seven virtues. Mm-hmm. So, seven. Seven is a very big number, apparently. Yeah, seven is a very big number. Seven archangels. Um, and they're, they've always been considered to be very important, um, especially in God's plan. And they're also associated with the protection of nations, dioceses, religious communities, and the mission of the church as a whole. So archangels, they're really, really important. And then the ninth and final choir of angels is called angels. I was going to say, it's angels. (laughs) It's angels. Um, They're the angels that are sent out on missions from God and are the most involved with the actions of mankind. So our guardian angels, they're chosen from this choir. And they're the ones that are constantly watching over us. So they are ministers of God's love for us and defend us against harm and temptation. They deliver our prayers to God. Mm -hmm. St. Thomas Aquinas affirms that every person has a guardian angel assigned to them. And that Mm -hmm. guardian angel is yours alone. Like, they are only in charge of you. They will never be in charge of anybody else. They're your personal angel. I was going to say, like... My guardian angel deserves an award because all the stuff that my guardian angel has saved me from. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like he has worked. My guardian angel has worked overtime. Yeah, that's what I was about thing. to say. He worked overtime. He also it also worked overtime on me because like definitely when I was a little kid, and you know what I'm talking about, Andrea. My guardian angel probably had like a strong talking to your guardian angel about how you almost severely injured me, but that's fine. That's a story for another time. That is another story. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I was just thinking right now yeah. how everyone has a guardian angel assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in middle school, this is oh, going to yeah. like side story. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in catechism and I had a teacher who had a friend who could see angels mm-hmm. and she could see everyone's guardian angel. Mm-hmm. And my teacher catechism would sew a lot of the the mantles and a lot of the um, drapery that was used inside the church Mm -hmm. like she would fix the 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 cloth that goes over the altar she would fix the stoles so she did a lot of sewing for the church for that we were Mm -hmm. that we were attending and her friend told her that her guardian angel would sit on her on her shoulder and would sew right along with her so as they were both sewing her guardian angel was on her shoulder, sewing right along with her. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. That's such a beautiful image to have, like, you're sewing and, like, you have your little buddy there right on your shoulder doing the same thing, too. Jeez. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think that was a really pretty story. And as soon as you said that we're assigned a, a certain angel, mm-hmm. it just immediately just thought of that. Yeah, I remember you telling me that story about how um, 
how that lady was able to see angels. And that's always something that I've been curious about. Like, if I could just know, I wish I could know my angel's name or see my angel yeah. just to have that, like, deeper connection. Um, mm-hmm. But it is it is really powerful and really interesting. So it makes me think, like, how that lady's angel was sewing with her. Like, is our angel, like, on our shoulders with a microphone? That would be kind of kind of fun but that would be not. funny <laughs> no mine 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 probably has a chef's hat on it um on <laughs> yeah. him but i think i honestly think my guardian angel is a male mm-hmm. or at least i from what i understand angels are supposed to be like unisex they're not male or female mm-hmm. i could be wrong no you're correct yeah they don't have any specific gender they can have mm-hmm. they can be presented in a certain way because they mm-hmm. are similar to um to mankind that they can be created in god's image especially the yeah. i believe this ninth choir of angels that is how they're represented um but like it's they're intellectual beings they've never been humans they don't have a gender but they can present themselves in like a way that would make sense for us yeah because i i think the way how my guardian angel presents himself is going to be in the form of a, of a man i only say this because when I was little, I was about maybe five, six years old. Mm-hmm. My mom came in to wake me up and you know, turn on the light and everything. And I'm I'm in bed, of course. And I didn't want to get up. And I was falling back asleep. And then all of a sudden, right there in my ear, I hear someone say, Andrea. Wow. And it woke me up. And I'm like, oh, I got to get up. This mm-hmm. isn't right. And I, no, hauled, hauled my butt out of bed, made it mm-hmm. up real quick. But I think that was my guardian angel waking me up. I think my guardian angel is a woman. Why? Um, kind of similar when you hear, like, how you heard that voice in your ear. Um, I've had times where, like, I'm, like, half asleep and, like, I think I hear someone talking to me. And it always sounds like a woman's voice. Or just, like, the special, I guess it's, like, this might sound really weird, but you know, it's like a feeling like you feel a different type of support when it comes from like a woman and a different type mm-hmm. of support when it comes from a man. Um, and it's always felt like a very supportive, like sisterly type love, mm-hmm. you know? Because you get so much from me, you know what sisterly <laughs> support feels like. My angel's like, you need some more sisterly support. Let me assist you. This is how I'm going to manifest. Yeah. Jeez. No, I think that's I think that's what it is. Um, I, I think that's what comes to mind for me at least. But mm. but I think it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because in this research, I saw that a lot of saints um, have a deep relationship and deep trust with their guardian angels. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, Padre Pio. Woo, Padre Pio, we love him. Um, he had a special loving relationship with his guardian angel since he was really young. So since he was a child, I think I saw like around the age of five, he was able to see his guardian angel and talk to him. And he said for the rest of his life, he always saw his guardian angel as his protector, support, teacher, Mm -hmm. brother, his friend, um, and just always continue to, to speak to him. And there's actually a feast day for the guardian angels and that is celebrated every um every year on the 2nd of october really Mm -hmm. you know whose birthday that is 
I know it's one of my nephews. Yeah, and one of our great uncles, too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uncle Mike? Yeah. Oh, wow. Would you look at that? It's Uncle Mike, and it's, you know, it's an, Michael's the name of an angel. Wow. It all it all makes sense. Full circle. Full circle. But that's that's really interesting. That's and and, and it, it makes sense too. With um, sorry, I'm bringing it back to Padre Pio. Actually, mm-hmm. no, I'll leave that alone because that's a whole story for that you need to cover. So I'll leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, Padre Pio has a really amazing story just all around. But but yeah, that's that's the information I have for you guys today. I know it's a lot. It's nine choirs of angels, so it's nine different. Uh, pieces of information that I had to give you guys but I know for me it helped me have a better understanding of how God enacts his divine plan using his angels so hopefully this also helps everybody else kind of feel more connected to to the angels and how they protect us all right to me so well thank you very much for sharing that it was really informational and I really enjoyed <laughs> it and I'm sorry listeners if it was information overload, but again, we think this is really important stuff and mm. lays a great foundation for where we want to go in this podcast. Exactly. And like always, thank you everybody for tuning in today. Um, don't forget to check out our Facebook page um, as well as our follow us on Twitter at Hearing is Believing Podcast. And if you have any stories that you would like to share with us, please email those to hearingisbelievingpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.